Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. Being a crew chief on a race team is a difficult job. Not only is it on them to make setup calls and work with the driver, they're also responsible for building cars, managing team members, and getting the team from track to track. One guy who's been successful as a crew chief at an early age is Drew Warner. In his early 20s, Warner burst onto the national scene in 2018 as the head reg for Rico Abreu, with the duo teaming up to win the Ironman 55 at Peevely and the Gold Cup with the World of Outlaws. These days, Warner is a crew chief for California's DJ Neto and his number 88 Neto Ag team. And he joins the show this week to chat about being a young crew chief, working with different drivers, being responsible for cars and setups, and a whole lot more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Drew Warner. I guess, Drew, we'll start with most recent events. Uh, you just came back from Wild West Shootout after a couple of days there out in Arizona, but uh, you work for DJ Neto. You guys were fast out there. Uh, you know, kind of give me a rundown on how those couple of days went for you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was real happy with it. Uh, you know, we started out really strong. Uh, you know, the first two days we qualified good, which is, you know, with sprint car racing, that's that's everything now. So I was real happy with our qualifying efforts. You know, missed it a little bit the first night. Um, second night, we had a pretty good run going, and, uh, you know, a, lot, a, a nozzle line got knocked off by a rock, so kind of misfortune there. Uh, and the, uh, the third night, also same thing. We didn't qualify as good, but played the format pretty well, and, you know, front row of the heat, did our job there. Uh, had a pretty good, you know, pretty good feature going, kind of the late restart, had a bit of a stumble and, you know, it's kind of is what it is, but still, I mean, yeah, going against those guys, there wasn't a whole lot of cars there, but you know, the, the quality of cars was, was pretty good. So I was, uh, I was real pleased with the, with the weekend as a whole. I watched the um, the all access video with Dominic Selzy on Flow Racing here last night, and kind of watching them, it, it seemed like maybe that the surface kind of was like giving you guys some kind of fits through the week, and, and kind of you know not sure where to go with it. Was it was it difficult conditions out there with the way the surface was each night? Yeah, it really was. Uh, I mean, it's just you know I, I was there in uh, in November. We ran a 360 show there, and it was kind of the thing where you know it was yeah, that that for whatever reason that dirt's pretty abrasive on tires and stuff, but it got super slick. And, you know, every time they worked it, they would, they would work it to, you know, it looks like an extreme where it was, you know, real wet and it'd take, you know, five, 10 laps and blow right back to slick. So uh, that's kind of what I was expecting. I mean, I kind of thought we had an advantage, like talking to my dad and stuff. I mean, they all were, you know, kind of freaking out about how wet it was. And I was like, ah, you know, it's going to go away. I've seen this. And, and yeah, I mean, every night was kind of different. You know, the, they worked it the first night and, and thought it was going to go away and it stayed real wet and kind of right on bottom. Second night reworked it and it was, you know, real rough. And, and so it's definitely was a lot of curveballs, but uh, you know, I guess we need that every now and then. With it kind of being like an unsanctioned event, you know, it's not count for points anywhere. Like, you know, is that an opportunity for you guys to kind of try stuff, you know, with, you know, it being early in the year before you kind of settle into what your normal schedule is. I, I kind of feel like, you know, you kind of look around at some of these other events and, and even the wild West shootout for the late models that maybe this is an opportunity to do that. But did you guys use it that way? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, I mean, you know, we don't run much points except for the King of the West stuff. And, uh, you know, I, you know, even in the past, like when I was Rico, we never ran points or nothing. So I've never really been a big like points guy. You know, I mean, I kind of race every race as, you know, you always got to win. I mean, there's always, Mm -hmm. you'll get those guys to say, Oh, we're just trying something or just trying something. But I mean, at the end of the day, if if they run 15th and their owner sees they run 15th, they don't really care that they were trying something. They just want to know why they ran 15th. So I mean, you might get guys who are, you know, trying stuff a little bit different on the outlaw tours because, you know, it really doesn't mean anything to them. But I mean, for the most part, you, every time you unload, like you're doing everything you can to win. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. 
You mentioned your dad in there, and, and it's definitely something I want to talk about. You know, having somebody like Ricky Warner as your father, was this kind of just like the 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 easy destination for you? Or, or like, maybe not easy, but like this was kind of made the most sense for you. It's like, you know, he is arguably one of the greatest sprint crew chiefs to ever live. And it was like, this is just going to be the path you wanted to go on to. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was younger, obviously, I mean, racing, it's all I've ever known from, from my mom's side too. you know, my, my grandparents stuff, they owned a racetrack. So I was always surrounded by racing. I mean, I knew I would do something with racing for sure. Um, you know, I mean, I, I would say probably when I was younger, I, I really wouldn't think I'd take this route just because of seeing my dad gone all the time. You know, I wouldn't, I didn't have a normal life because of that. Cause he was always on the road and stuff. So, you know, uh, like right after high school, you know, I mean, I kind of, you know, I didn't do the college route, but I kind of like, you know, didn't think I was going to go full born to racing like this. I was kind of in Kansas for a little bit, doing some stuff with, with my mom's side of the family and, you know, doing a little bit of racing with them, but kind of had a normal day job type deal, um, just racing on the weekends. And, and then, uh, you know, once I kind of did that and stepped all the way back from it, from sprint cars like that for, you know, a couple months, I was kind of like, it was eye opening, like, oh, you know, wow, I, I, I do need to be a part of it. Um, so then, you know, once I did make the switch and did, you know, start racing full-time stuff, it was kind of, you know, then it was a no brainer. And then now that I'm at this point, I couldn't imagine doing anything else besides this. It's kind of, you know, it's all I know. It's all I love. So, I mean, it's, you know, having my dad, he definitely, you know, helped guide me once I did that. He never really forced anything on me. I mean, he, I mean, actually, if you asked him, he probably told me not to do this, (laughs) uh, um, but you know, it definitely, it, it helps having a guy like that in your corner, you know, now that you're in the sport and, you know, he'll, he definitely guides me. And, you know, because of him, I was able to meet some really good people in the sport and kind of link myself up with the right, right groups. And, and, um, so yeah, it's kind of destiny, I guess. What were your kind of early opportunities to, to work on sprint cars? You know, what were some of those first deals you were on? Uh, so 2015, I think is what it was. I, uh, that's when I kind of decided, you know, well, I back up, I guess back in high school and stuff, you know, I, I, uh, I, after school, I worked for, for beast, uh, for Bobby's and stuff, you know, on some of his, his, uh, midgets and kind of non-wing stuff a little bit. Um, and then 2015 was when I kind of decided like, you know, I wanted to go on the road and I wanted to like start doing this, like, you know, for, for sure, full time. And, um, so I went to Florida at the start of the year with my dad. And I mean, basically he just told me just to come, like, you know, there was no, I didn't have anything lined up. He's like, you know, once you get out here, it won't take long. Someone will want to do something. And I mean, I got to Florida and I didn't really think we got to the first race and I already got linked up with Roth, uh, with Roth Motorsports when Gravel was driving their car. Uh, so I started with them then 15. And like I said, that was kind of my first, like, you know, on the road, that's all I did. Um, kind of a low end guy with them and with gravel. And, and that was kind of their, their year where it was, you know, a little bit rocky. They had gravel for the start. And then we ended up, you know, they parted ways and had a couple other guys come in. And then uh, basically around June ish, you know, the, the whole team kind of, I mean, from crew chief driving, everyone kind of split. So uh, I was pretty lucky that uh, Todd kind of took a chance on me and he, he moved me out to California. And, uh, you know, we, ran the end of the end of 15 with Kyle Hurst all about the California swing. And that was kind of my, my big, like my main thing, because I got to the point where, you know, I mean, I, I learned to basically do everything, you know, they, they, I only had, they only had one full-time crew guy. So I was able to do everything on the car. And, you know, I, I, I liked that a lot because it was more of a hands-on learning and, you know, not just going on the track and stuff. I mean, I, I had to do everything at the shop, all the shop work, everything. So, um, that was, that was my first, you know, big gig there. And then I did that for all of 15. 
16 was kind of a year where Roth didn't really know what their plans were. They didn't think they were going to have a California team. They were going to go back on the road full time. I think that was when they had Joey. And uh, I just got to the point where, you know, I, I learned so much so quickly that summer and, you know, the end of 15 doing that because I do it all myself that I didn't really want to go back on the road yet because I kind of wanted to just kind of do a smaller scale deal and, and just keep learning basically, you know, when you're on the road like that, it's racing all those races. It's, it's hard to learn anything new because you're getting so repetition of doing your job. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of widen your range. So uh, 16 was the year I got linked up with another team in California, Stan Greenberg, uh, Mitchell Sino drives it, which my, now my wife, that's, like I guess it's my brother-in-law now. Uh, so I got linked up with them and, and kind of the same deal where, he never really had anyone, he, you know, he paid to do the stuff full time like that. So I was able to kind of work with him and, and I did 16 and 17 with them. Um, and then even uh, started out 18 doing the same thing. And uh, just cause I, you know, I was by 18, I was ready to go out on the road. Like I was kind of ready to do it. Just never really had the right opportunity. Nothing really lined up. And then uh, so I, I stayed with them at the start of 18. And then that was, when I think it was maybe April or so that, uh, you know, we won a couple races with Mitchell and then I got the call from Dave Averu and, and, you know, went with Rico and, and took over his deal for, uh, you know, for yeah, all of 18 and stuff. And that was obviously, that was my main, like that was the biggest eye opening traveling, like, you know, weight of the world on your shoulders, responsible for everything type deal. Um, so yeah, that was yeah, 18 and, and then uh, 19 did that for, up till I think like September or so. And then, you know, we parted ways, you know, stuff kind of just, you know, didn't, didn't work out. And, and then that led me to, uh, I got really fortunate to the week after that's when, when Neto's called and, and, you know, and here I am so far. When you are, you know, kind of get those first opportunities, you know, I, I feel like we've talked to guys on, on both ends of the spectrum where it's like some guys come in and like, they don't like know anything about a sprint car and they have to learn. And I'm assuming you probably had a fairly massive head start, but like how much learning did you have to do in those early days? Did you, you know, did you have a pretty good idea what you were supposed to be doing or, or you know, was there a pretty big learning curve for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I had a good idea, uh, you know, like when I was with like the, the Roth and stuff like that, like, you know, when I was more the, the low end guy and like just taking care of the car and stuff. That was, you know, I, I mean, I, I pretty much knew all that and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too much of a learning curve for me. Like I kind of knew all that stuff. It was more when, you know, once you get involved in the actual like setting up and stuff like that, that's when it's kind of, you know, it, you know, you gotta be a lot more detailed and then there's just so many, you know, different things to do to get the same parts, to get the same part, you know, every driver is different, you know, all that whole deal. So that, you know, that was a big learning curve. And I mean, uh, you know, then once I got to Rico's deal, even that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, like going back to my dad, for instance, I couldn't really use a whole lot of information from him because, you know, when he was with Don, I mean, Don and Schatz and Rico Avery aren't quite the same drivers. So yeah. There's just so much different stuff there. And, um, but, you know, like the, the biggest learning curve that I had is, you know, stuff that you don't really think about, you know, from the outside until you get involved. It's just like the, just the every day-to-day -day stuff of running a team, you know, I mean, ordering parts for the trailer, you know, making sure that, you know, you got your hotels booked and, you know, the truck routes, you know, stuff like that all behind the scenes. That's not really necessarily at the races, just the stuff that it's the preparation of getting there. That was the stuff that, you know, I just never really paid attention to when I was younger, you know, when I was around my dad and stuff, I just, you know, it all just seemed like it always just happened. You know, I never really, thought about doing it all so when I got to Rico's in, in 18 and, and the fully you know every, the whole like I said the way of the world like everything was on me and 
I had to get everything kind of lined up. That was when it was the most eye-opening of like, you know, holy crap, I gotta, I gotta really buckle down here. Like this is, this isn't just for fun anymore. You know, there's, there's a lot going on. So that was for sure. That was probably the biggest, the biggest learning curve I had. One of the things I'm always curious about with crew chiefs is like your, you know, your notes, you know, you hear all the time about, you know, I, I need a notebook or, you know, I, we're building a notebook, whatever. What does that notebook actually look like? And, you know, for somebody like you, you know, you're a younger crew chief, like have your notes, like, I mean, are you evolving with your notes? Like, you know, if you look back at your notes from two, three years ago, like, do they look different than your notes now? Or is it pretty much the same? Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I you know, I, I don't have a, I'll show you a setup sheet. I mean, I have one, a setup sheet we keep throughout the night and I mean, it's extremely detailed. I mean, you know, down from hot laps, qualifying, heat race, you know, dash, everything. I mean, it's all, we, I, I write everything going on throughout the night. I mean, I keep a list of, you know, times, you know, what, what the, what, what our times were, what the quick time was, how much track change, you know, what, what gear you ran. I'm just everything. You, the, the notes are, it is pretty crazy. Um, I kind of do laugh sometimes though. Like you get somewhere and like, you know, like you, you'll go like, for instance, well, I got an example, like with Rico, you know, I went to Peebley, um, with him and, you know, that was my, we won my first outlaw race with him. And so, you know, you go there the, the, the next year and it's like, you know, Hey, I, I got the setup sheet, you know, we won with this. This is what it was. He do the exact same thing, you know, and I think we ran like 12th that night. And so it's kind of like, I always joke, like, you know, I need a setup sheet. You just need to know what gear to run because everything freaking changes every race anytime. But I mean, no, I, um, definitely. I mean, yeah, I keep, I keep a lot of notes on everything. Um, no, my handwriting is absolutely horrific. I mean, I, it is terrible. So like, I, I never have to worry about anyone stealing any notes, nothing like that. Cause if, if they can read it, they can have it. I mean, it's definitely, definitely extremely bad. <laughs> What is that like? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming all of these things are kept in a binder or something like, I mean, do you have like tabs for each track or like, you yeah. know, how do you keep all of it organized? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I mean, I have just a big binder and, and I do it. Uh, I usually do it by year, you know, I mean, so I have a binder for every year and, and uh, yeah, I mean, every, I go through the steps at the start of the year, you know, map out every track we're going to go to. And then I go through and, you know, make one of those little tablets saying what track it is. And, and I, you know, I, I go to the, I go to office depot and I get the expensive, the, the, uh, whatever the paper is that you put your resume on the little thicker paper, the mm -hmm. card stock things, what it's called. Yeah. I get the nice paper. And I mean, yeah, I, I, that's the best way to do it. It's just kind of separate by track. And, um, it definitely, you know, when you get, when you're racing, you know, 80, hundred races a year like that on the road, your notebook gets pretty full, pretty fast, but, um, definitely it's, it's, I mean, it's huge. There's the whole thing about it. You know, there's just so much stuff that you would forget. And then, Left, you know, you, I, I write everything down. So I'm like, oh, you know, I, I remember this guy ran second, this guy ran third. And oh, yeah, this happened. The track did this. And, you know, it definitely, definitely, it definitely helps. One of the other things that always interests me too about, you know, kind of driver, crew chief, you know, team combinations is like all of the, you know, equipment choices you have between chassis and shocks and, and engines and wings and, you know, all this different stuff. And, you know, we hear all the time about drivers that have like specific, you know, a specific chassis that they favor or whatever. But like when you're a crew chief, when you come into a team, like for example, when you come into work with DJ, like does DJ have a set of stuff he likes to use and you have to mold to him and, and what they have? Or do you come in and say, okay, well, you know, you guys have been using this, but I think if you switch to these things, you might be better off. Like, how does that kind of relationship happen there? Uh, I mean, it's kind of a little bit of both, you know, I mean, I, I definitely feel like if you get, you know, an older, more veteran experienced crew chief, he might be a little bit more set in his ways. Um, you know, he, he kind of finds his package and he likes, and, you know, so I always felt being a little bit, you know, younger, you know, I mean, like I'm 25. So I definitely haven't been doing this as long as, as most guys. So I, I never really, had anything where I was like, you know, 
basically earned it. We're like, this, this is what I'm doing. This is what we run. This is it. So like, you know, when I went to Rico's deal, I mean, I didn't really change anything. I, I left it exactly how all this stuff was and just basically taught myself to make it work. Um, I definitely did learn some lessons though, because of that. I mean, I definitely learned that there are some things that I do like that, you know, that, I, that I feel is better and I feel like I can make work better. Um, so when I came to Netto's, they actually, they had a pretty good package. You know, I mean, I, I ran the, they, we run KPC frames. I ran those before with, with the 37 car with, uh, with Greenberg, you know, um, they have FK shocks. You no, know, I mean, I'm, I'm super tight with Willie Kane. So like that was the no brainer. Um, and it's funny, the, the one thing they didn't have was they, uh, I'm, I'm real close with Linton Jeffrey and Vortex wings, you know, mm-hmm. just because of dad and everything. I've just yep. known him my whole life. He's, I used to run quarter midgets with no wings and, and I had a vortex wing sponsor. So I just always been really close with Linton. So I told DJ, I was like, Hey, you know, they asked, if I want to change anything. I'm like, you know, everything else looks pretty good. They all got, you know, they got top notch equipment, great motors, great trains, great everything. I said, if I had a choice, I do like the vortex wings because you know, I I'm, I'm close with Linton and I know they're a good product. And they're kind of like, okay, yeah, well, you know, we got a lot of wings left. So whenever we're done, then, you know, when we're out of wing inventory. We could talk about it. And my, uh, like my second or third race of them was trophy cup of 19. And uh, we had plenty of speed. And I, I think in three nights of racing, I mean, we went through about five top wings. I, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. Like it just had plenty of speed, zero luck. So I remember it was kind of a joke. We were leaving there and, you know, we had a giant mound of our junk wings inside the trailer. And I told Frank, I was like, Hey Frank, I think we're out of wings. We can finally talk to Linton if you'd like. So that was uh, pretty easy to make that switch. When you, you know, obviously you've kind of worked with, you know, a bunch of different drivers now. And, and, you know, the other thing that I think is so fascinating is, you know, the, the relationship between drivers and crew chiefs. And, you know, you've got some guys, you know, that, that, you know, will have an opinion about bars and, and wicker, you know, what, you know, what exactly set up things they want. And then, you know, you hear about guys like Larson and Larson's just like, here's what I'm feeling. Just, you know, take that from there and, and run with it. And, and, you know, as a crew chief, do you have, an opinion one way or the other, would you rather your driver was more technical or would would you rather they just told you what they wanted? Um, I mean, honestly, it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, I mean, you'll get guys who it's, as long as your driver trusts you, I mean, that's, that's everything. Like if they trust you and they believe in you, then, then they really usually won't even question anything. They'll just do whatever you want. You know I mean? Like I said, Larson, for example, Larson trusts Silva. And so it doesn't matter what they do. Larson knows it's going to be fast. He'll drive as hard as he can. So as long as you have trust is the main thing. I mean, you definitely want a driver who can, you know, he, he has to be able to give feedback. I mean, I can see stuff. I can watch the car around there and tell you what I see. But, you know, if, if, something's, if something's actually wrong, they could be driving different to fix that. So I'm seeing what they're doing to fix it, not what the main problem is. So you got to have a driver who can, you know, tell you what they feel, tell you their feedback, and, and you know, give a little bit of opinion on that. Um, but and then sometimes, you know, like, you got, like I'm with DJ now, he doesn't really – that's all he does. He'll just tell you what he feels, and he'll just drive the wheels off it. I mean, that's – he doesn't really – care about what you know what the shock numbers are what the bars are nothing like that he doesn't question it doesn't ask he just drives as hard as he can and he'll tell me what he feels so you got to kind of have a mixture of both um you know i mean I, i'm sure if you had a guy I, I never really been with many that were like that but if you had a guy more like a like a donnie or something like that who who knows everything knows what they want knows what they're searching for then i mean that might be that you can kind of get a little bit of issues there when when you know crew chief and that see different but 
for the most part, like I said, as long as your guy trusts you, that's, that's everything, man. That that's, that's the main thing for sure. Do you, like, I know you guys kind of watch the track like a Hawk and you will obviously watch your driver like a Hawk. Do you, do you have like situations where you think one thing where, you know, you're seeing one thing and, and you know, you come back after a hot lap session or after a heat race and the driver says, Hey, this is what's going on. And it's completely the opposite of what you thought was happening. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's definitely times, um, like I said, Arizona's perfect example. Like, you know, it was the track got all ripped up and it was all wet and heavy. And I'm like, Oh, you know, it's for sure going to go slick. And even, you know, DJ's out there and he's like, man, it's really wet. You know, I don't know. And I'm like, nah, you know, just relax. It's fine. Uh, we've seen this before. And, and so, you know, we went the opposite way and obviously that was, that was the wrong way. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely times. And, and you know, even I, sometimes, you know, I get on a, on a, quad or moped or something right around the track and kind of see the moisture and the holes and stuff like that and kind of which way it's going but the most part you know i'm not out there full speed doing it so they'll definitely once they get out there they'll they'll notice and see stuff and kind of you know be able to tell more than more than what i can see you know just from being on the quad and stuff so uh yeah there's definitely you know definitely times where we both see different things and you gotta kind of then if that happens you gotta like me i have to decide man, do, am I looking at the right thing or, you know, does he see the right thing? And you got to kind of, you know, weigh out what, what the best option is and then kind of go from there. In all of the drivers, you know, I've kind of talked to over the years and, you know, having people on open red and, and having people on the show, the, the, um, you know, kind of overwhelming sentiment is that like drivers for the most part, don't seem to talk about driving things like drivers, like don't go to talk to other drivers and try to get, you know, ideas about what they should be doing better or, you know, kind of trade notes. And, and I'm curious for you, like, you know, and, and to kind of pull it apart, right? Like, you know, is it different? Like if you're out on tour with the outlaws versus if you're out on tour, like, you know, or if you're out traveling in California, but like, do you go trade notes with other crew chiefs, other crew guys about stuff that's happening? Or is it like, I don't want to know what they're doing and I don't want them to know what I'm doing. So I'm not going to talk to them. Like, how does that work? And, and it, is it different locally in California versus like out on tour with the outlaws? Um, you know, I mean, you kind of, it, it's a little bit of a mixture of both. I mean, you know, I, I always kind of joke say that, you know, I have no secrets, you know, I'm, I'm too, I'm too young. I ain't want enough races to have secrets. So I, I, you know, I'm pretty fortunate, you know, where I, I know, uh, I, I've grown up around a lot of the older veteran crew chiefs. So, um, you know, I feel like I have a good relationship where we kind of trust each other and I can talk to them and, you know, I ask them questions and, you know, I always listen no matter what. I mean, I, I listen to what everyone's saying, everyone's doing. Um, you know, I mean, if you go out there and, you know, you, you dominate or whatever, you know, you're super fast all weekend and, you know, it, you might feel like, ah, you know, I don't want anyone to know what we're doing or I don't, I don't want them to catch on, but you know, I, I've never really been like that. I'm, I'm always, I'm always very open and talk to everyone because I want them down the road when I'm struggling or they something different. I want to be able to learn from them. You know, uh, I definitely know the, the way the sport works to where, you know, just cause you're fat. Like I said, I mean, the Peebly setup, you know, we ran it the first night we won the outlaw show and we ran 12th the next year. So everything's always changing. So uh, I just like to always, I'm always super open. I always talk to everyone, listen to everyone and, you know, just kind of see what they're doing. And, and if they ever ask me questions, I'm, you know, for the most part, I'm super honest. I mean, I, cause I, cause I, I want them to trust me. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, I feel like maybe crew chiefs talk more to each other than some drivers do maybe, um, just because I, I don't really know what that, what the reasoning is, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we're all pretty open with each other. 
when you guys are kind of like, you know, full on in the season and, and, you know, working with DJ now, you know, I would imagine you guys probably aren't racing, you know, three, four nights a week, like a full-time, you know, outlaw schedule would be, but what does a standard week look like for you? You know, I'm guessing you guys racing on the weekends and, and have time during the week, but like, are you in the shop every day? Like, do you and DJ have like debriefs? Like what is it, you know, what does a full week of racing look like for you guys during the season? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm in the shop every day. Uh, I'm actually real lucky that my, I just bought a house here in Hanford and I ended up being, I'm, I'm a mile from uh, our race shop. So, I mean, I go to the shop every day. Uh, DJ, he's actually a little bit different than most drivers. He's actually, he's kind of taken a step back from being like a, you know, a full-time racer and he's taken over the family business uh, with Neto Ag. Uh, which is good. I mean, it's good and bad. It's, it's, it's bad because I want to race all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also good because you know, I sit back and look and realize Neto Ag has produced a lot of money to buy all these nice things. So the more money they make, the more money I spend on racing. So, uh, but I mean, you know, so our, our shops are side by side. So, I mean, I see DJ every day and, and you know, we, we, you know, we always do lunch, stuff like that every day. Um, typically, we're, we only really race Fridays, Saturdays. There's a couple shows where, you know, some, some weekdays, some Sunday, stuff like that. Or, um, you know, like I said, if we do travel a little bit, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where depending on what happened with COVID, if, if we're not able to race full time in California again this year, I can now load up and, you know, we're talking about maybe going back East for a while and, and DJ kind of fly back and forth. Um, just, you know, so that way he's here for work a little bit and still get to race a little more back East. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, it, it's, I, I'm full, fully committed to racing. That's, that's definitely, that's my day job. That's all I do. Um, I kind of do a little side gig now where I'm trying to start doing some FK shocks and stuff. Like I said, I was real close with Willie. So I'm trying to do some, you know, a little bit of FK shock work on the side and just kind of trying to build a little, little business like that. Um, but between those two things, that's pretty much takes up my whole time for sure. As a crew chief, and, and obviously, you know, you need to know everything about the car, but it seems like, you know, it, we've talked to Willie in the past, you know, kind of about the, you know, the, the evolution of things and how important, you know, shocks have become and, and, you know, knowing Willie, having that connection and, and, you know, being able to build shocks and all that stuff. Do you think that gives you an advantage, you know, to be able to understand what's really going on and, and be able to make those changes? I, f I feel like, in the past, if in, and correct me if I'm completely wrong here, but it seems like that there are teams that almost have like packages, like they've got a certain set of shocks for a certain type of racetrack. And then like, they kind of really don't differ from that. And, you know, are you able to make, you know, shock adjustments on the fly? Is that something you're trying to do or not do, you know, in, in my world, in the NASCAR world, I mean, we have a shock specialist and I mean, the guy's building shocks, you know, all week long and, and, you know, every little tiny little detail. And it's like, are you guys doing that same thing on sprint cars? Um, yeah, yeah. For the most part, I mean, there's, you know, there's definitely guys, like I said, they get in their little, they get their packages together. They get their little rhythm where, you know, the, the driver feels comfortable and they have success and, you know, they're, they might run the same set of shocks for, you know, a couple of weeks or, you know, you know, months, whatever. Um, I, I definitely, the, the whole reason that I started doing the, the FK deal was just, just to widen my knowledge. I wanted to be able to, you know, say in the future or whatever, you know, and I know how the racing will work. Something happens where I'm at and I end up going somewhere else. I, I wanted to be able to, to, to be able to put on my resume, Hey, I can build shocks. You know, I can, I can do that stuff. And that's definitely an advantage where, when you're on the road, you know, if you, if you bend a shaft, get in a wreck, whatever, instead of shipping it out, you can take care and build it yourself. Um, so it's definitely an advantage to know that. And then, yeah, I mean, it, anything that you learn like that, you know, the people put a shock on a dyno and they just see the basic numbers and they think like, you know, that it is what it is and go. And, 
And it's, it's cool being with Willie like this and, and getting as close as I have with him where he's basically, you know, taught me what every little thing is and, and, and why you do this to a shock. This is the result. And, you know, if the track's like this, you might think this is where your shock you want to be, but, you know, you actually need to be around here. So it's definitely an advantage uh, like that. And like I said, just, just being, being close to a guy like that. I mean, um, the, the people you connect yourself with in the sport is huge. Um, and, and so, you know, I kind of have my little, my, my group that I try and, you know, stay with all the time. And like, we, you know, Willie's just one of those guys that he has a lot of knowledge and, and I try and soak up everything from, you know, shocks to, to using more, you know, stuff he did in the past with KKR with, with just, just racing as a whole. So the more people that you can, you know, surround yourself with and smart people like that, that you can trust yourself with, the better off you're going to be. Sprint cars are obviously fairly simple in terms of, of how you set them up. You know, you know, you don't really have all of that many choices, but you know, the, the one thing that I'm always curious about is like the evolution of, you know, how sprint car setups and sprint car builds and all these things. And, you know, we've seen Willie come out with kind of some crazy design sprint car and, and some of that stuff, but you know, it, at least in the years you've been around it, has sprint car technology really changed all that much or is it still kind of the same basic stuff? Um, I mean, I feel like it's all pretty much about the same since I've been around. Like I haven't seen any, you know, drastic changes. Kind of the, the one thing that's different that's, you know, just compared to how sprint car racing was to, to how it is and where it's going is, uh, you know, it, there's not so much, there's not a whole lot of, I guess, fabricating is the word you want to use. Like, I don't, like, I, I don't have to make anything for a car really. Like everything you have, you go and you buy it, you know, you might tune it, do a couple things a little different, but you pretty much nowadays you, we buy everything that you need for these cars. So that's kind of the one thing that I have really noticed that's, that's changing and going more in that direction. I mean, like I've, you know, I, I, you know, heard stories of guys, you know, of, of like Carl and my dad, I think they're rebuilding motors and stuff at the track or in the hotel. And it's just like, that's insane to me. Like I, every time that like I, the, the teams I've been with, I've been fortunate enough to where we're, we're well off to, you know, if I have a, if I have a motor issue, I'll be the, you know, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I ain't smart enough to dig out and tell you what's going on. So if I have a motor issue, I'm pulling that motor out, I'm shipping to the guy who built it. I'm putting my next one in. And um, you know, that's, probably not the right way to go about it. It's probably not the right way for our, us, our sport to go, but it's, it's just, is how it is. You know, that's just, it's when you have a, so much money being spent on these things, you know, I, I don't want to be the one to mess it up. So I, if, if the owner has multiple and we're ready to get going, you know, he wants the best one at all times. So there's a lot more of just, you know, buy new and put it on or buy new. You, you don't fix a lot of things or you don't, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest, you know, the biggest change that I've seen is just, you know, a lot of guys, we're, we're basically are becoming more of a parts changer nowadays because you don't want to, you know, you don't have to, to sit there and fix or, to, you know, to build or whatever. It's just, everything's already done for you. As a crew chief and as a crew guy, the fact that everybody can basically have the same stuff, does that make your job harder or does it make your job easier? Um, I mean, I think it's definitely harder. I mean, you, you used to unload it and some tracks, you know, if you had a, you know, like if you, you know, like we run rider engines. So I feel like, man, you know, we got a good rider motor. Like we, we got a you know a nice motor here and you unload now and you got, you know, if you're racing against like this past week, we raced against 25 guys and, you know, 24 of the guys all had the same hitter motors. Like we, everyone now to the point where you can, we all can buy the same thing. So it's, it's, easier i guess you could say to, to build them and to get them to the track um but it's it's definitely harder to where we're all we're all on the same thing so you are literally looking for every little bit that you can get for an advantage whether it be 
you know, weight now, or, or you know, you you don't want to run a wing because it has a little bit of damage. And that's, you know, that's just that little bit that's going to hurt you in qualifying now. It's just, everything's just so close now that it's, like I said, it's easier to get to the track, but it's a lot harder at the track to try to outperform those guys now. I'm going to kind of get a little shitty a little bit here, but I, I want to ask you, like, do you have a track or like a track type that just gives you fits as a crew chief? Um, not, not necessarily yet. I mean, I don't have anything. I mean, like, uh, you know, you'll get some tracks that are like, you know, like a Chico, for instance, you'll get a Chico where it's just flooded and rough and, you know, stuff like that. You know, usually, uh, as a, most crew chiefs like me too, like you don't really like it cause there's not much tuning involved, I guess you could say, like you're just trying to get your car as free as you can. Um, so like, you know, like back to my dad, like my dad, he hates going to California. He hates it with a passion because of all these tracks. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm kind of not the exact same because I, every driver I've ever had has, has been a gasser. So like, usually like, you know, if the track's rough and heavy like that, like, you know, DJ walks out of the, tra- out of the trailer smiling ear to ear, like he's going to go have fun. So, um, if, if you're, if you're, if you have success and you're good at that track, then it instantly becomes your favorite. And like, you know, it, it is what it is. As soon as you have a bad night, then yeah, that track sucks. That track, you know, the surface is terrible. We should never go there again. And but all it takes is one win and you'll be ready to probably go back, go back there again. Uh, kind of shifting gears now to this year, uh, you know, if COVID doesn't affect anything, what is the schedule for you guys going to look like? You know, are there certain tracks you guys like to race at? You know, is DJ wanted to get to certain places? There's a certain place he doesn't want to go to. Like, what's that schedule going to look like for you guys through the summer? Um, so for the most part, uh, we'll, we'll for sure do uh, the King of the West deal in California. You know, DJ won that a couple of years ago. He won the, won the championship at that. So we'll be looking to do that again. Um any 410 racing at all that's, you know, close, we'll for sure do. I mean, 410s are struggling so bad right now in California because of how big the 360 scene has got. Um, so we for sure will support every 410 show we can. Uh, 360 stuff, I mean, pretty much we'll kind of, you know, just fill in our schedule with that. Uh, you know, I, I, we're not going to run full points for any of the series out here, just kind of whatever makes sense. Um, my schedule that I have made right now, I mean, I, I think it goes through like April or so or May um, and there's kind of some gaps and stuff. So if we could, I would like to like to go back East and, you know, try and try and do like a Ohio speed week or some stuff like that. That was, that was always my favorite schedule. Like when I did that with Rico, that was always the perfect deal for me where, you know, your, your winners are California. You start out the year in California with the nice weather and then, uh, you know, go back East racing for June, July, stuff like that. Hit, hit some big money shows, see some new tracks, um, you know, Knoxville, stuff like that. I'd love to do all that stuff again. And then, you know, finish the year out in California. So it, it all, it all just kind of depends. The only thing that I know for sure is like I said, any, any key in the West, any 410 show, we're going to do anything we can to get there around here. Um, but I mean, that's, that's about the only thing that's set in stone. Otherwise, you know, we, we didn't sign any contracts or nothing. So we'll, we'll pretty much run wherever we can and wherever it makes the most sense. Has DJ done a lot of traveling? I mean, like back East, I mean, has he raced in Ohio and Pennsylvania? Uh, some of these places? I, he, so he raced a little bit in Ohio. He, I think in maybe 2016 or something like that, he, uh, he, he was with Katings and Katings took care of stuff. And they went back to Knoxville and a little bit, a little bit stuff like that. I mean, he's never done like a full summer or like a full tour like that. He's only done a couple little trips. Um, with, like I said, with them, uh, you know, last year, uh, when we were slow, I know he got, 
uh, they flew him out to drive for lenders in Ohio and stuff for that for a little bit. So he's been back there a little bit, but not, not a whole lot. Not, I mean, not even enough to say like a full season back East, I'd say just, just kind of hitting this stuff. So it's something that he, he definitely wants to do. And he, you know, I think this is the perfect time for us to do it. Um, it's a little bit harder, like I said, with him taking over the family business. Um, he's just got a lot of responsibilities now with that, that, uh, you know, it's hard to be gone for that long, but I mean, I think that he can, we kind of seen how Arizona went we did a little bit of trips last year. We went back there to, to Oklahoma with the all-star stuff, uh, for that little speed week. We did that. So he's kind of, he's done enough to see how he can do how the business is with him away. Um, so I think that if, if everything goes how we, how I would like, then we, we could go back there and take him back East for a little bit. Is that something that like, you know, obviously with, with him not having a ton of experience, is that something that like excites you a little bit because you've been to a lot of those places and, and you have, you know, I'm guessing fairly solid setup notes for some of those places. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, the Nettos, they got, like I said, Frank and James, now they gave us great race cars. Great. I mean, that you know, there's, they don't cheap out nothing. They gave us the best stuff. And, and so I, I definitely think that we have the capability of going back there and, and running really good. Um, DJ's, I think he's a good enough driver where he, he adapts really quick. So I think that he'll be able to pick up on a lot of those tracks. And, and I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I, that's part of having the, the notes and the setup sheets, you know, I have a, a decent idea to, to get started at most of those tracks. And, and I, you know, I enjoy all those tracks and they, you know, like Ohio when it gets super slick and, you know, I enjoy all the Pennsylvania stuff. And so I, I think that, uh, I think we'd have a lot of success. I, I really, it's something I'd be looking forward to doing. I, I want to ask you about your time with Rico. And, and I know there were some kind of really high highs and some kind of pretty low lows through that time, but you know, to get the opportunity to crew chief a team like that at, you know, at such a young age, what do you kind of take away from that? Like, what are things you've learned that, you know, like later on in, in your career, you know, right now working for DJ and, and whatever else you do in the future that you kind of take away from your time working with Rico? Um, I mean, it's just the experience, you know, every, just, just those, those two years, you know, we raced, I, mean, I couldn't even tell you how many races. It was just, you know, you, you do so much and so such a, a little time frame that the experience is, is everything in the sport. Um, so that, that was the main thing. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, that's one thing I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to where me and Rico are still pretty good friends now today. Um, so the, the friendship and the, you know, all this stuff like that. And, you know, I'm super grateful for a guy like David Avery to take that chance on me. I mean, cause yeah, he was hiring a, I mean, I think I was 22, 23, whatever I was at the time, uh, hiring, you know, basically a kid and, and just, kind of said like, Hey, here, let's see what happens. Um, so it was, it's, it, it's definitely the, the experience is the main thing. And, uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. You know, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. Uh, I learned a lot from, like I said, from, from booking hotel rooms and, and you know, you know, make sure we got enough parts to, uh, you know, like it's what, what, what I feel like the, what, how the car should be, or, you know, what, what we should be running. Like you talked about, um, so I definitely learned a lot in that sense. So, um, that's, that's probably the, the main thing is just the, you know, the, the memories and the experience, stuff like that. I, I want to get back to this. I probably should have asked you about this before, uh, at the beginning when we were talking about recent events, but I definitely want to ask you about chili bowl. Um, you guys go to chili bowl you had what Macedo there, um, at chili bowl. And, and, you know, had you worked on midgets a lot? Was that something you've done a lot? I mean, midget, like, uh, it was pretty fast. Yeah, no, uh, I, I had zero midget. I mean, like so back when I worked for Bob East, but I mean, that was just a complete low end guy. I had, had no, no experience at all. And, uh, no desire really to do anything with, <laughs> and, uh, 
we went to uh so we we hired nettos they they owned a midget and you know i told him i was like hey i don't i'm not confident enough to tell you that i'm gonna unload and give you a great car so we actually hired uh they hired willie kane for a couple races to to have him take care of their midget at the end of the year last year and dj ended up flipping and he hurt himself he uh he the way he landed kind of awkward it, it hurt his rib he was kind of uh, or hurt his lung, he was coughing up blood and stuff there for a little bit. So uh, he wasn't able to continue racing the rest of that, those couple of weeks that the USAC was out in California. So uh, I'm, you know, my best, one of my best friends is Carson Cito. So he asked me if, uh, if I would go help him because he was running the midget and the sprint car. Uh, so I went with him to, to Merced and stuff for those couple nights. And I mean, I, I got there and like kind of thought I was just going to be hanging out type deal. And I got there and I was the only guy on the midget. I mean, I, I was <laughs> they had a couple of guys on the sprint car and they just gave me the reins of the midget. So uh, Sean Dyson over in, uh, in Australia, he, he was able to call me a lot back and forth. And, um, you know, the, the, those King chassis and stuff that we have there, man, that's, it definitely spoiled me. I mean, it's, it's hard to mess those things up. They're, they're really fast as is. So uh, with Sean over the phone and then just kind of me being there helping him read the track. And, um, you know, we kind of put together a nice little, little weekend there in Merced. And then, uh, because of that, that's when, uh, Tommy and, and Carson talked and that's when they had me go through with, uh, with chili bowl. And so, uh, yeah, it was me and Carson and Carson's brother, Cole. Um, that was our, that was our crew, uh, going to chili bowl. So it was, it was a lot of fun. We, we were pretty good right out the gate. Uh, Definitely learned a lot, a couple of mistakes on, on uh, our part and a couple of mistakes on Carson's part. So it was a, it was a learning experience, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I definitely would do it again. How different is like that event versus like, I mean, even if you compare like midget events, how different is Chili Bowl versus something like what you did at Merced? Uh, it, you, I mean, yeah, you can't even compare it. Just the, the Chili Bowl, the, I, I've been, I've been lucky enough to where I've actually gone to a lot because uh, with my mom's side of the family in Kansas, the, with their racetrack, they always took their souvenir trailer there. So, I mean, I've been going there since I was a kid. Uh, every year we go there. And um, I, I was, this is my first year of like, you know, like basically working on a car that like, I guess you say had expectations of like they were expecting to do good. Uh, so it's definitely, I mean, it was nerve wracking as can be. We ran on Monday and, you know, we practiced Monday and then Monday night was the race. And I mean, I was just as nervous there as I was, you know, at, at qualifying at Knoxville during the nationals. I mean, it was, the nerves were definitely there. It's, it's a, it's a fun event. Uh, it all happened so fast and definitely, definitely a lot more stressful than just going and, you know, doing a Merced race like that. It's just, you didn't really, didn't think anything of it, but the chili bowls, you know, it's the chili bowl for a reason. What was that like week like? Cause I mean, you guys go from chili bowl and then basically straight to Arizona. Like how, I mean, like you guys have been driving trucks back and forth and all that. Like how, how crazy was that week? It, it was, it was a wild week. We, uh, I think we left California. I want to say Thursday, uh, the, the Thursday before, um, it was me, Carson and Cole. So we had three drivers. I mean, the truck never shut off. We drove straight to Tulsa, uh, got there, you know, Friday night, Saturday moved in you know, got all squared away Sunday, you know, raced on Monday, got, took the service, the car, got everything ready on Tuesday. And then obviously there was a, a couple drinks, you know, in between there that just that we, a few. Yeah. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was able to get away on uh, Wednesday and Thursday and I went and, and seen my grandparents stuff in Kansas and, you know, my aunt and uncle and everybody. And so they were able to kind of get away for a little bit and then, uh, yeah, I came back and 
you know, we raced, uh, we had another, another driver with us, uh, Tim Essen, who he actually rented DJ's car from him because, you know, his, his uncle helped sponsor DJ on the sprint car stuff. So, uh, we took care of that thing on Friday and then, yeah, Saturday, Saturday, we, uh, did all the, you know, double main event stuff. And I mean, Saturday night, the checkered flag, I mean, we didn't make the A obviously when the A, the checkered flag, the A main dropped, our trailer was already loaded and everything, door shut. We went back, we showered, cleaned up, came right back to the expo, hooked right up to our trailer, and we left Saturday night after races and drove all the way back to California Jeez. because we had to leave. I mean, I think so we got here Sunday night, um, and we had to leave for Arizona Wednesday. So it was all just kind of boom, boom. It, all, it was all a, a hectic week for sure. So are you going to like, I mean, is this going to be a yearly thing now, like uh, Drew Warner, like midget crew chief at the Chili Bowl? I don't know about that. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if, if, if it's a, if it's a Toyota motor and a, and a King chassis, it definitely makes your life a lot easier. Um, so if that's the case, you know, maybe, maybe we'll be doing it. it it's uh, I had a lot of fun. You know, I, like I, said, I Carson's one of my real good friends. So it was cool to get to race with him and, and, you know, cold, same way, kind of a fun little team there. And so it was, I don't know. I, if you're asking me right now, there's no way I'm doing it again. I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want the stress, but I'm sure when it gets closer, I, I'm sure you might find me there again. Well, I'll let you go. Uh, I certainly appreciate the time. Uh, where are we going to see you and uh, and DJ next? Um, I think so. Like I said, the the COVID depending. I think we got about two weeks off here, um, and then I mean, pretty much full bore in California from there on. You know, we'll we'll hit up the the ASCS stuff when they come out here, and then the Outlaws when they come out here. So um, we'll uh, we'll be all over there for a little bit at the at the start of you know March and end of February and everything. So um, we'll see. That's that's the plan. Hopefully, it all works out. Cool. Well, Drew Warner, thank you for the time today and good luck this season. Yeah, thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. I'm sure Drew is someone we'll see around sprint cars for many years to come, and it wouldn't shock me to see him be a part of a lot of big wins. He's got the pedigree, and you don't go out and win against the Outlaws in some of the biggest races on the schedule unless you have some serious skill. Thanks again to him for the time. Look for Drew and DJ racing with the ASCS Sprint Cars in California in early March and when the Outlaws head west later in March. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit DirtTracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.